Hello and welcome to The 250, your weekly slash fortnightly movie podcast covering the top 250s movies of all time. This week we're covering Braveheart. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And this week we're joined by... Alex. Sean. Kleena. Uh, and we're doing a special crossover episode with When Irish Eyes Are Watching. It's great to have you guys. Great to be here. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. Yeah. So, um, what do you guys make of Braveheart? <laughs> I, I mean, this was a film... It, it's We were sort of saying this previous to watching it, that it's sort of... It feels so sort of like a part of my childhood just by its very presence. Cause it was, ask, yeah, what age was everyone when they saw it for the first time? I would have been pretty young because I have a recollection of owning this on not one video cassette because it is three and a half hours long or whatever, but two video cassettes. I remember that when they used to sell like yeah. long movies yeah. in box sets. And I remember like wow. even the point in the film where you had to like swap it over and, you know, put the other video cassette in and hit play and everything. What yeah. was that point? Um, it was after the second battle, but before he meets with the French princess. It was like an around then. Okay, so if you just stop watching that point, it'd be a much happier film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, you'd, you'd, you'd still have the, possibly the most upsetting part in the movie. It, kind of ends, it ended like around the betrayal bit. Are we, we're, 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 we're revealing spoilers? Yeah. Are we, spoilers we're for Braveheart. Yeah, released yeah, in 1995. Yeah, I think we can forgo it. Yeah, I think so. I think, so. Anyone, I think, I think anyone's so. familiar with like the Christ story as well. If you've heard of Jesus, you've heard of Braveheart. Ironically, if you're familiar with Scottish history, a lot of this will be new to you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone um, unfamiliar with Christ is uh, born, born not welcome, in 0 BC. I don't endorse that. I don't endorse that. You're welcome. Yeah. But yeah, to the podcast, to yes, the podcast. to Mel Gibson's uh, filmography, perhaps less okay. so. This, yeah, this, but... this is not normally how Darren opens up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found God in my spare time. I may edit this out. While, um, while watching the podcast. Yeah. Um, no, this was one, I suppose, because it was made in Trim, which is a town like, so as, as I said, and you guys said, no, I moved to Navin as go. a child and immediately arrived in Navin to everyone talking about this film that was being made with Mel Gibson, like in the neighboring town. So everyone at school was talking about it. Everyone was like, Mel Gibson's here. So it was this big deal, you know? Yeah, it's like, it would be exciting if we had an Australian let alone a famous Australian. <laughs> Myself and Andrew are from Sligo, so when yeah. we were growing up in, in the 90s, the biggest deal was uh, Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker used to holiday there. Mm. The summer. Didn't he kill uh, someone in Sligo, though? Uh, yeah. In a car? Law student Darren is kind of <laughs> looking around worried. This conversation took a very sharp turn. When I say kill
were not enjoying themselves either. I yeah. actually thought they some were like of the horses rising around a them. little sad earlier yeah. in the film before they were skewed. I mean, exactly. looking at it from the horse's That's... point of view, they don't know that those horses aren't being stabbed because it's quite realistically okay. done. So they might think, oh, those horses are being killed. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. we thought that watching the film, you like do. I went like, "There's a horse psychology." This is like horse whispering. The, the, the horse before the scene is like, "So, so what's my backstory here? Um, <laughs> what's my motivation yeah. going? Am I a noble horse? Am I a common horse?" I did, I did like that bit at the start where they sort of like weirdly anthropomorphized uh, Mel Gibson's horse. Yes, um, yeah. where he had like he was in the rain and he looked over it and sort of did the and it's like, "That's right, Mister Edge, we're yeah. going on an adventure." Yeah. Um, or he's like, "Yeah, he's in the shelter and the horse is looking at him." Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is a very different movie than it turned out being. Like, the, the yeah. really weird, neat, cute sequences at the start with himself and his wife-to-be, where he's, like, throwing pebbles at her window and stuff like that. You're one, one sort of moment short. Or talk about how the rain is slanty in Scotland. Yeah. It's, uh, you can tell that, yeah, this is not the part that Mel Gibson was comfortable filming. I don't, I don't, I don't know sure, because I think it's, like, a really, really standard kind of revenge story. You know, you have to kind of set up the, the hero as somebody who has a grievance, you know? And, like... You know, the okay, broad strokes of like Scottish history, they don't really play very well. We gotta have emotional heart. The emotional heart is, unfortunately, you know, a dead, Killing a woman. A dead murdered woman, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. They, they, apparently, they had fridges in 14th century Scotland. Fridges? Women in refrigerators. The tradition of killing a female character to give a male character motivation. Oh, oh right, sorry. Or raping a yes. woman, which yeah. also happens in this and yeah. didn't happen in the medieval times. Yes, a prima nocta did not actually exist. No. Um, the British were perfectly evil without that level of I was of just going to say, you know, they weren't exactly sympathetic, you know, as it's it was. Started, you didn't yeah. need to make up a fake, uh, fake yeah. rape law. But yeah. I mean, we were saying when we started watching it that it, it's there's no dialogue. Well, there's not that much dialogue in the opening scenes because it's sort of so... It's kind of, not broad's the wrong word, but it's sort of effective and it's sort of like very simple storytelling. This guy is good. This guy is bad. The phrase you're looking for is tone poem. You know, okay. It's, it's yeah. a tone poem of minimal, <laughs> minimal dialogue and maximum expressionism. You know? yeah. I will say that. Koyana Scotty, but with blood. Really. Yeah. But I, I do, because you, you sort of mentioned that, it does have that silent film quality at the start where there's lots of meaningful glances mm-hmm. and every gesture is exaggerated and there's no subtlety. There's it, absolutely no, no. like the moment that the British prince is introduced, you know exactly what his deal with, and it is his deal is that Mel Gibson is really, really homophobic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he only has like three and a half hours to tell the story, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you have to cram it all yeah, in there. Really. Subtlety, he quickly you know, had to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it, like that character you just mentioned. Just immediately. Wait, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I was asking you guys his name because I wanted to Google were there depictions Popish of Prince. him as a feminist <laughs> yeah. in history. Because it was just, just an interesting choice. Mm. Yeah. It's difficult to grasp who he is. They probably do mention in the movie because I think Edward II had so many sons and uh, p- potential heirs. And I, d- I, d- I don't know if even one of his sons uh, succeeded him. This, this, <laughs> I, I suspect there's no point in establishing facts regarding this movie. I think we can take it as fairly written that that, that this is... Um, in no way an accurate reflection no. of what and, happened. And it's, it's also based on kind of secondary sources that would, would also be of questionable... Um, well, it's based on a poem. It's yeah, based yeah. On, a, on a heroic poem. Really? So, yeah, the something great Blind Harry poem. So, by the fact that it's based on a poem and not sort of a more accurate historical text. Yeah. yeah. In terms of just the beginning bits you were talking about that are the lovey-dovey bits with little dialogue, it is very emotional. Like, yeah. it's a very emotional film and there's actually, for the bits with lack of dialogue, there isn't mm-hmm. actually a lack of silence because the music is constant. Yeah. And 
comically emotional but great. Yeah. And Howard Shore's music as well, which is really amazing. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. Yeah, Howard good Shore? Yeah. Um, no, James Horner. Oh, James, James Horner. Horner. Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. James Horner. James Horner. Great name for composer. Perfect yeah. name for composer. Definitely. The music, like, it sort of swells and it goes up and down. You were saying, Sean, that it only, it, it's telling you what to feel in every scene because of the way it sort of plays. Well, I mean, I think there's another film like, okay, Lord of the Rings, the trilogy. I feel like the movie... And the music in Lord of the Rings, it's it's too heavy-handed, you know. Nope. I, yeah, that's why I, I feel. That's why I feel. When I watch this, I, I don't. I think it's it's majestic, you know. And uh, God, it sounds so pretentious. But I, I find uh, the music in this very um, inspiring. Inspiring. Yes, yeah. so I think it suits it. They, they, and the refrain that continues through is very emotional, you know. So uh, the film is very simplistic. Like it lacks subtlety, but I don't think subtlety is is one of Mel Gibson's strengths. So I don't think no. he should play to it in any way. <laughs> but I think he knows the strengths and he sticks to them. And this yeah. film has like I think I think Mark Kermode really hates this movie and says it's like one of the it's an atrocious movie. But I think I think um, maybe it's just because I saw it when I was very young and yeah. I, I can't imagine my life without this movie. But there's mm. like that's what I was saying. Yeah, it's sort of like always it's always been, been there. there. Yeah. yeah, everybody and, loves this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's been on the IMDb 250 since its inception. Like it's been around since okay. uh, April 1996. It was at one point the 13th highest rated movie of all really? time. Wow. Lowest it's been is uh, 109 back in April uh, 2011. It's currently at 76, so it is it is well loved and well adored. And you were saying that the Scottish independence referendum give it a spike, a boost there. in sales. Like yeah. I mean, they they've talked about the Braveheart generation existing in okay. Scotland. Like it's a, it's a cultural touchstone. I mean, you guys were saying that you think that RTE. I, I have a memory of RTE <laughs> kind of like playing this the night before the referendum as a sort of like head <laughs> <laughs> nod. Yeah, no. that's all the right thing, lads. Yeah. Yeah. You Don't know screw what this do. up. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a Loxley or whatever his name is. The guy who betrays William. What are the two people who betray William called? Well, Robert, Robert the Bruce, Bruce is one, and then I don't remember the other. Oh, two. no, the, the, the two actually get executed. Robert the Bruce gets off quite lightly, L- actually. Lachlan and Morley, was yeah, that it? Or something along those lines? Yeah. It sounded almost like the two characters from A Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, but this was definitely one of those, like, you know the way you probably remember the first film you saw that was really violent or had sex scenes and stuff? This was my first film for a lot of this stuff because film, yes. my parents would have just assumed it's like, oh, no, but everyone's talking about this film. He kind of should be allowed to see it. And it's everyone. historical. I mean, and it's, it's yeah, educational, it right? Fine. And it's been shot down the road. And it was shot down the road. Yeah. So there was this sort of like, oh no, I'm sure it's grand. It's good for him. And then I do remember watching it with them and them being also a little like, hmm, after like his <laughs> face is smashed in. And, good lord. Yeah, there's quite a lot of. Yeah, yeah I find watching it now. <laughs> like as 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 a reasonably kind of to, um, well, I, I suppose that's for other people to judge. But um, as 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 a as an adult, in inverted commas, that that that's, that that was fairly it's horrific. upsetting, yeah. horrific. Like I and and I'm sure I'm sure I was watching this maybe maybe not at at nine years old when it was released but perhaps shortly after anyway mm. um and yeah it's 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 very upsetting yeah i i think a lot uh, a, a lot of the time um very young children don't really understand it doesn't really um, sink in yeah it doesn't mm. really kind of uh, mean anything to them but I, I think when you're like around 11 it's 
I yeah. suspect that it, it's probably also in in hindsight. Like, I mean, I think watching Braveheart uh, like as a Mel Gibson film at the time, it was like, well, this is a little intense, but clearly mm. he feels very strongly and he feels it's necessary to the story that he's telling. That's a proud However, Scotsman. Yeah. <laughs> coming back to it, um, as you That's know, true. after, after, after what we've learned, Christ, yeah. yeah, after Pass of the Christ, after Apocalypto, and after the rants that he sort of and the benders and the didn't he punch a baby at one point? I thought that was Matthew Broderick. Let's stay talking about the movie, okay? <laughs> the movie and the man are not the same. Let's okay? all agree already. No, no Melissa forethought, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, first rate filmmaker, second rate human being. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, he's, he's, a, he's I, a fantastic I'm, director. I'm, okay. I'm not a fan, although I haven't shot. seen. Sorry. 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 I just think it's really well shot. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Even when it's yeah. stupid and ridiculous. You're like, <laughs> I love the way that, you know, they came on to do that historically inaccurate thing. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, just commit to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of his um, mo is uh, is to do these kind of over simplistic. I I'd hesitate to say lowest common denominator, but if 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 we've seen Hacksaw Ridge, the I mean this isn't as uh, pandery as, as 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 Hacksaw Ridge, and it isn't it it it, it, it perhaps perhaps packs more subtlety um, into the three and a half hours, but. Yeah, Dar- Dar- Darren is looking at me. He, he, we, we, we watched Axel Ridge. We together. did watch Axel Ridge. I'm not sure lowest common denominator is quite how I would describe yeah. Mel Gibson's filming. Like, I think it, it's very clearly geared towards what he wants to do and what he's particularly interested in. Like, I don't think that uh, anybody looked at Braveheart and said, well, look, you know, that'd be a great film. It just needs more gore. It just needs more violence. I think more violence. Well, that, that's, I don't a, think that's, that's that's another thing that he likes to do. Okay. He, he 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 likes to kind of butcher and torture and and in the uh, movies. In yeah, the <laughs> movies. We're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that, He's no Matthew Broderick. We can agree. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's like he <laughs> may, makes it like a, a, extremely violent and also and it's it's perfect for an American audience because they have no 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 problem with. Um, with e- extreme violence, but there, there's what? Well, it's it's the the um, I suppose there is too much nudity in this movie for um, uh, for 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 an American audience. I Everyone like, I mean, the sex me. scenes though, it's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't two, like Mel Gibson. There's movie. two pairs of breasts, and there's that's uh, it, and um, it's just like yeah, and a lot of dicks. But we were like, oh yeah, <laughs> but shot in long distance, so it's not so it's no homo, uh, which we should probably talk about a little bit as oh well. God, yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, here very I, homophobic. I dug up an actual quote from Gibson talking to uh, the Atlantic about what, like, they asked him basically about Braveheart and what he mm-hmm. thought about Braveheart and if he thought it was very graphic. And uh, his response was, "In this scene, we'll stay away from the disgusting aspects. We'll stay in the guy's face." Ah disemboweled you know they castrated him first they castrated him then they dragged him to the street behind horses i softened it a bit they cut off his dick and his balls and dragged him to the streets they hung him up and drew and quartered him he was a real wreck it was hideous yeah Uh, you don't put that in film i thought i'm not doing that is Mel Gibson in the room? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, in, it's, it's a perfect Uncanny, though. It is uncanny. <laughs> uh, somehow sounding like a 1940s studio executive. Ah, uh, yeah. Dick and balls. But, uh, yeah, I do like that, like, his, his sort of his big reflection on Braveheart is that the scene at the end where he tortures and disembowels himself is not as graphic as it should be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can probably admire his restraint in that regard you were sort of saying sean that it's almost rewatching it maybe it's because when we watch it as kids you do remember the violence but he 
maybe it's the 20th century or 20th anniversary cut or something we watched, mm-hmm. but that scene, like the scenes at the start, which I remember as being more violent than they actually were. It's kind of like that scene in Reservoir Dogs that everyone talks about, oh, oh the bit the where he chops the ear. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch it again, it doesn't actually show the ear necessarily being chopped off. Mm-hmm. It sort of pans away. Oh. But everyone remembers it because it's horrifying nevertheless. Yeah. Well, you're talking about when... Um, so when his wife gets killed at the start. Killed, yeah. and There's you, a very discretionary cut. Yeah. yeah. And so they don't sort of show her throat being cut, but then later they show the revenge throat being cut. And yeah. yeah, so I mean, he chooses when to show the violence. You could say that because it's violence against women, he, he kind of doesn't want to show that, so he wants to keep that image pure. He doesn't want to show the woman who's kind of suffering. Are, are we giving Mel Gibson that credit? No. I, I, I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan, so I would. They do show her. They, no, they don't. They no, they don't. They show her from the from the neck up, a reaction shot, and then, and they, then from behind. behind and then it's yeah. the next guy. And in contrast, when... Okay, but it's like, it's literally the camera is not on the knife at that moment. No, it's shot yeah. from every other angle, and then the blood's coming out, so it's but not, but no, compared to the, no, com- no, you actually don't see her dropping. I don't think you see. I, I, like, I like, the, I like the, I watched it last night. Well, I, I think I, I would disagree. I don't think you do. I think, <laughs> I think he's so effective in the way he, like, he yeah. puts that there. It's one of the yeah, things you, you think see. you see the. Well, that's the sort of the other yeah, Hitchcock editing sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I like the fact that like this is this is a this is what we consider to be restraint in Braveheart is yeah. the fact that he doesn't physically show the knife. Because when you get to the rest of the film, mm. like you get a mace to the face, mm, you get yeah. a point where he's clearly stuffed a man's helmet full of like ketchup and, and smashes then splatters it, it. Mm. and then splatters it. Like I mean, you the get guy's like, hand is chopped off, but his fingers sort of like explode yeah. out yeah. everywhere. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's mm. that, that they're usually in battle scenes or it's male on male violence. Well, I don't know what my point is, but it, it seems to me that Mel is kind of trying to not have extreme violence on. Women in the movie. Oh, he would never wish violence on a woman. We know Mel Gibson. He's long history. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying. I'm not saying it because, like, I think uh, Mel as a as a filmmaker, just because it works to keep the uh, to keep the I don't know, just the the imagery kind of clean and pure regarding that character. So then, I think that's because that character is meant to be the reason yeah. he's spurred mm-hmm. on. It's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's any sort of love of women that he does that. No, no, I'm not saying love of women. I'm just I'm talking about the movie as an effective piece of filmmaking, and I think that's a very effective piece of filmmaking. There is that really weird sequence earlier on where the, the British lords show up in the style of like a really creepy Monty Python, where oh, God, they yeah. show up at the wedding and then like they're about to fight, and then the woman the woman decides to go with him. But it's shot in like slow motion as if mm. she's an elf from Lord of the Rings, yeah. which is yeah. or really, an angel, yeah. or an angel, where she has the ability to stop violence with a touch. Mm-hmm. There is something quite creepy in how yeah. Gibson approaches, I think, his, his female characters in this. Creepy? I don't know. No, I, I, I think similar, because like if you think of all the women in this, they're all these sort of like beautiful Echo. angel martyrs, yeah. Yeah. you know? And like you were joking about, this is not passing the Blackpill test, but this doesn't even have a single... Like, all the women sort of act as... Yeah, as motivation motivation or as tools. They have no agency of their own, really. They exist primarily... Like, um, his wife exists to motivate him. Mm -hmm. The the, the princess exists so that, you know... He can get revenge on the king. So he can have this really misogynistic sort of cuckolding sort of thing on the British crown. Mm -hmm. Well, there is this idea of the um, princess of Wales being... um, the uh, stronger, more respected partner... In, in 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 that marriage and and she she says at one point it's like your your king is um is about to die and who will be will be replaced by by a weak um um uh, prince of wales mm-hmm. um so she's essentially saying i i, I will be your monarch and your ruler mm-hmm. um and kind of get used to that there 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 are, there are at least overtures to 
to her having have, have having her agency the extent to which it seems to be motivated by her her um having his child and yeah, her devotion yeah. to him yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. is, 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 is the issue here. Which is also really creepy. It's the scene where um, she's talking. This is the, you don't, this is when we mentioned the Bapdale test. Okay. When okay. she was talking with her, her maid yeah. about them. And she's like, oh, and they massacred his wife. And mm-hmm. then he came into town and he murdered every one of them. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah, and then you can tell that like the, the, yeah. the, the princess is like, this Swooning. is so amazing that he massacred all of these people. Yeah. So many people dead. Yeah. What's yeah. interesting though is in reality, that princess was three years old and in France yes. when this was happening. So I just think it's interesting that he, he does use the female characters all for, for just the impact they have on the male characters in this film. But that whole plotline is completely made up based off of something from a song or possibly a poem where the poet uses this kind of image where he says, he talks about Princess Isabella being at a battle and saying maybe she can meet a real man. And it's just an image used in the poem to just mm. slag the English, basically, yeah. and talk about how, how masculine William Wallace is. But Mel Gibson has kind of come at it very, very literally, I think, and, and you know, developed this whole plot based off this one uh, snide comment in a poem, which I kind of like, in a way. Yeah, because in the poem, exactly. she's being used to slag another man. You yeah. know, she, she's, not, she's no agency in the poem either. She's mm. just being used to insult a man. And then whoever read that took it incredibly literally and just, you know... <laughs> Mess around with time a little bit and uh, make yeah. a new plot. Which like Shakespeare, you know, messing around with time like that, you know. Shakespeare, and Mel Gibson, they're just. You know, I know. He's in a pod. Yeah. And it, play, it plays on the 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 kind of caricature that even English people make of themselves. This kind of no sex. Uh, where, where we're British. Mm. British. Where 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 and the, where the Scotsman, um, in contrast, is this kind of hyper masculine. Yeah, woodsman sort of like Highlander. Which, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How old is William Wallace meant to be when this unfolds? So apparently he's meant to be in his 20s. Even in the like timeline of the film, not even if we're talking about historically or anything else, even in this film, Mel Gibson's meant to be playing late 20s at most. That's the latest. And not only that, Brendan Gleeson then is also meant to be playing in his 20s, if you think about it, because he's his friend. Same age as well. And I think the two actors, the father and son, Brendan Gleeson and mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson's dad, who's played by the guy from Game of Thrones who plays the... Mormont, John. Yeah. Um, he, they're only seven years apart, Brendan Gleeson and his dad. But they made a good, we were saying they made a good they father. They actually make a good father. They do. Brendan Gleeson's good in this. Does Mel Gibson ever look young, though? He yeah, he has. looked great. A year of living dangerously. A year of living dangerously. Yeah. Yeah. a baby in that. I mean, yeah. even, even the first, first Mel Gibson, I would argue. Yeah, and first first I know, obviously, the Mel always had a very grown up Adam's apple. Uh, <laughs> there's always something yes. like kind of yeah, ma- leathery, mature yes, and, yeah. and weighty and about, of, about yeah. and at the end when he's been hanged on a quarter and he's lying down like that and you can see the Adam's apple is kind of you get the sense that if he just flexed it he could have broken yeah. out of the yeah. noose really and the, 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 the moment where um, where was it Isabella um, gives gives him the poison and you see him appear to swallow, but really it's it's just his, his Adam's apple. Like, flexing. I had somehow managed to kiss her yeah. without her realizing. He managed to give her a great final kiss and then contain the poison in his mouth and then spit it out after the kiss. Yeah. What a man. What and we were also saying earlier when he gives this fantastic speech, mm-hmm. rousing the Scots, he yeah. does it on horseback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you were saying, Sean, is, is something you don't see yeah. a lot. Well, I compared it to like when Numfrey given when the character's talking unforgiven that they're on horses but then they cut to the characters talking and you see like a headshot and they're 
they're, they're just standing on like high stools, you know, sitting on high stools. So Mel, like they really show him and he's giving a speech and he's spurring the horse. The horse is kind of smells out of control, it's to rein it in. And I think it's a really effective, well, the, the speech is, is very, very effective as well. I mean, but also the way he's controlling the horse, it feels yeah. like, yeah. But it's the whole kind of, I mean, I think, I mean, that, that speech has been like parodied, like, yeah. They can take our X, but they can't take our Y. Yeah, Yeah. South Park, I mean, so many other places have done it. There's there's a really interesting story about that speech. Um, Maybe you guys know it. Maybe it's a bit apocryphal, but what I heard was that. So they're they're showing Peter Mullen's character, and Peter Mullen is uh, just like a... Those two guys. Yeah, yeah. just those two guys are giving like a running commentary of like the common man on what's going on. So the nobles are debating it, and then the, the English army shows up, and then they kind of... Peter Mullen says, oh, let's, let's go, lads. I'm not dying for these bastards. Let's run away. And then William Wallace comes in, gives this amazing speech. But apparently what was supposed to happen was Peter Mullen was supposed to lead some sort of ins- insurrection against like the leadership. But the speech was like so you know profound and so inspiring that they just kind of, the people charged like after that and they couldn't like, get like the extras <laughs> charged after that. <laughs> and the other extras? Yeah. To be just... fair, the director did just point his sword yeah. over the yeah. time. <laughs> then they tried to overthrow the, 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 the actual government. Got carried away. The Irish army was used for extras in this film as Between well? 500 and 2000 depending on, on the scenes in question. Wow, Ex- really? Excited because they got to grow out their facial hair. Yeah, they were allowed to do that for that which was, which was quite remarkable. Apparently he thought they were smart asses. Apparently Gibson had a great deal of stress dealing with them because he found they would answer back to him. Oh God. Um, that's all oh, he's what? used to. Um, you my, mean they weren't stupid? <laughs> my brother well, they, actually uh, recently enough worked as a sort of army goon as an extra in like a... Well, maybe I shouldn't mention the show because he's still in it. Um, but <laughs> For the moment. It's, it's shot in Ireland and it involves like old tiny armies quite like this. Mm. So he was like an extra. Then. Yeah. <laughs> But the lead, one of the lead actors on this uh, project, all the extras were told when they were like running into the battle, you can't look him in the eyes. <laughs> really? Yeah. I won't say who it is, but it rhymes with Ponathan Piss Myers. If anyone wants to <laughs> infer from that, who there, we there's so many about. stories about Ponathan Piss Myers. <laughs> he is a true cult figure of our times. Yeah. But yeah, no, he was sort of saying it was fun that. Are we calling him Myron? Like otherwise, it's perfectly yeah, impenetrable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was sort of saying it's really hard to run when you're given a shield and a flag and a sword, and they're like, now you need to run full tilt behind the horse. Yeah, my brother was like, yeah, shot him. Don't look his horse in the eye. Don't look his horse in the eye. Yeah, the kilts. They're about five hundred years too early. Hmm. Kilts didn't exist. But that's it. Goes back to this like. Neither did the face paint, I understand. Like, or the harp. Well, there's so much anachronisms. Or the harp. Yeah. The oh, whole, yeah. the whole the idea as well of like medieval, the idea that we have of medieval war is kind of informed by movies like this, especially Braveheart, though. To, to, but it, to be honest, if, the idea of medieval warfare we have in Braveheart consists of, let's show up and uh, we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. The thing thing was that people think, oh, it's it's good now that we live in a in in a relatively civilized society. Think of how barbaric things were during the Middle Ages. Actually, there were there were there were generally very few lives lost because it didn't make sense. It was generally mostly nobles versus each other, and the idea was to take people hostage because you get money out of it. Mm. Um, there, there, it was it was it was and and they were heavily armored. 
like all of them they 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 they, they, they this 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 is and there's several lines in the movie where he's like what about the common men that uh, shed their lives um it's like they 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 had farming to do they 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 weren't they weren't <laughs> pitching <laughs> battles yeah, against yeah. yeah well actually william wallace had to enforce conscription and oh. he had to sort of threaten a lot of, of the poor farmers with being hanged if they didn't fight and that's another thing I think that's really interesting about this film is that William Wallace is a poor farmer in the film, like with artfully drawn on mud as yeah. a child. Yeah. But actually he was gentry. Mm. And uh, I think that's something that they changed. Again, that, that strikes me as kind of an American production type of decision because this movie isn't trying to be about a leader struggling with his principles and having to make tough decisions in warfare. It's a more emotional movie than that. Freedom! And he's not a... But he is... It's black and white. He's not meant to have conflicts like that so he is just shown as very sympathetic and i think that's why he's represented as poor and you don't see him making unpleasant decisions like that well i'm going to say that i was going to mention that this film is written by a guy called randall wallace who was visiting edinburgh for years trying to look work in his own family history and he was there an american writer and he's written other things like we were soldiers and some of those like sort of more christian films like there's one about heaven is real and stuff but apparently it was just from looking into his own purported family that he started getting inspiration for this film. So you mean, you mean you're telling me that there might be some Christ imagery buried somewhere in Braveheart if we're willing to look deep enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If um, you're willing to look, the clues are there. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do think the, the class thing, though, is a very Americanism. In yeah. That it, sort of, in that it yeah. establishes, like, it establishes part of what's evil about the British. Because everything in this movie is evil about the British. But yeah. part of what's evil about the British is the idea that they have a rigid class structure in which, you know, soldiers die for nobility and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and then the idea that Wallace is sort of pitching this idea of, like, a classless society where you don't fight for your lord, you fight for your freedom. Yeah. Um, I do think that's a very sort of like broad strokes kind of get the crowd on board aspect. There's even a nationalism before nationalism was a thing as well. Yeah. Which again is for the audience. That bothers me. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's for, it's for the contemporary audience. I I think it's interesting what Kalina says about um, them portraying him as a common man um, and I'm actually kind of uh, coming, coming, coming from the gentry. Because they're kind of inconsistent and confusing in the movie about about where he's coming from. Because they have at the beginning that he's he's following his father to this meeting of 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 noblemen, but um, it's it it starts out where 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 he's a Scottish nobleman who lives in a poorly thatched cottage, mm-hmm. um, and then his um, uncle comes and and takes him kind of on on pilgrimages and teaches him Latin as as a nobleman should 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 learn and French and all of this thing. And it's very clear that, that and he goes that, to Rome. That, yeah, that he's nobility, and then and then they kind of come out of that. It's like they decided against it, and then it's like okay, so, uh, he's going to repeatedly say, "What about the commoners like yeah. uh, myself?" And then there's this moment where he's knighted, yeah. where where it's kind of like, "Oh, now 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 now, now you're part of gentry." He's like, "Not so fast." Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's a kind of a confusing, inconsistent. I'm, I'm just thinking of... Trump in my head right now. You know, the populism. You know, <laughs> yeah, so you have yeah. like, the plutocracy, and then it's like claiming, "Well, I have a common touch with the common man," and he like rejects his nobleman despite living in a golden, a literal golden yeah. tower. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a common but appealing narrative as well to have the poor protagonist who does, through circumstance, get education, and from there, hmm. kind of everything happens. That's, it's it's kind of all coming through his family, though. It's a it's a, it's 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 a weird 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 kind of a a, a portrayal because it, it says one thing and then 
says like the the yeah it's it's not really clear about where 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 he's coming from or what, what he is i guess well he likes there's a moment in it where um william wallace says no gibson says uh, what does it mean to be noble and what what well, i can't remember what exact quote he said what's nobility it's what's god what's god's given to you you know you're not given nobility you know through land or titles but yeah. I just found an interesting quote again from Mel, who said, Some people said that in telling the story, we messed up history, but that doesn't bother me. Because <laughs> what I'm giving you is a cinematic experience. Here, and here. I think films are there first to entertain, then they're there to teach, then they're there to inspire. There probably were historical accuracies. I like that line. There probably were historical accuracies. <laughs> what am I, a story? Maybe quite a few. But maybe there weren't. Who's to say? Because there were very <laughs> little history about the man. <laughs> Sure, it made Matafina authentic. In some of the stuff I read about him, he actually wasn't as nice as he is in the film. We romanticized it a bit, but that's the language of film. You have to make it cinematically acceptable. Actually, I think he was a monster. He always smelled of smoke because he was always burning people's villages down. He was like what the Vikings called a berserker. But we kind of shifted the balance a bit, a bit, because somebody's got to be the good guy and somebody's got to be the bad guy. And every story has its own point of view. So that was our bias. Where's your Mel Gibson? I'd say that Alex's Mel Gibson is yeah, much more yeah. convincing. That was um, just my voice, guys. <laughs> Apparently, he also hired a bunch of real-life Wallaces and paid them to be extras in the movie while also staying with them. His, ant- his entourage were genuine Wallaces. <laughs> yeah, all, all Wallaces. You make so, them all dress the same and kill Walls them. Walls and Wallaces. <laughs> and then you have to pick them out of the lineup yeah. and play Where's Wallace? My hey guys, you want to hang out for a bit? You can torture me all you want, um, as long as it's pure. Yeah, I, I really like that scene where the Inquisitor is like, you know, you will be purified through pain unless you confess. And you just sort of look at him, and it's like, I I don't think that's the that's the stick that you use to get what you want. And then he lets out the longest sigh in the world. Yeah. It's really funny and also really badass. <laughs> Um, and my favorite piece of trivia around this film is that Mel, this is just from IMDb actually, mm-hmm. on the trivia section, says Mel Gibson has said he would give five dollary dues to anyone who <laughs> could spot the fake horses in the final film. Reportedly, he has not had to make good on the wager. <laughs> Luckily, he used a real horse for that scene in which he rode through a castle into the Lord's yes. bedroom, maced him in the face, and yeah. rode out a window into a. Bridge. And when we say mace, we don't mean spray. We mean <laughs> no, like no, the we mean ball and a chain thing. Which is, yeah, because yeah. we see his face get like. Smushed uh, yeah. is the word. Yeah, like, it's effective. Like Gibson, you know, may not be as you as you said, second rate person, but he's a first rate violence director. Yeah. Like the sequ- the way in which that is shot is quite awe inspiring. Yeah, it's like the way they drops the it chain drops into the shot. You can like then... see it. It's terrifying. And it's because the guy wakes, it's ridiculous. The guy yeah. wakes up from a nightmare that Mel Gibson's <laughs> coming to kill him. And then Mel Gibson rides into his room on a horse, yeah. like from the nightmare. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I'd like if he progressively woke into a, d- a deep, uh, like, worse and worse. If it was just like Inception, where he has this recursive nightmare. Each time it gets worse. Yeah. Wakes up from having his face bludgeoned and his, his cock and balls are being cut off. Yeah. <laughs> no! Wait, <laughs> Mel Gibson keeps showing up in more and more improbable scenarios. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mel Gibson apparently wasn't, he didn't want to be the lead actor in this, I believe. Mm, really? Apparently negotiations were quite tense. It was very difficult to get this made because it's actually, it's a, it's a Hollywood film, but I it's all about it Scotland. Imagine a bomb, yeah, as well. Um, and it, ironically enough, before 2007, it was one of the 
um, the least financially successful Best Picture winners, wow. which is remarkable. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, because we kind of we think now of like films like No Country for Old Men or whatever as as the, the example yeah. of low end. No even, money, but lots of awards. Yeah, no money, but lots of awards. But Braveheart was was one of the first ones, which is very strange. I wonder if that's because we live in in like Ireland and, and that sort of area, and it's sort of like for us it was a big deal. Yeah, it's like hey, it's a movie about Scotland. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, don't worry, train spotting's arriving next year. But until then, we yeah. have we have this. this. This is what started the Celtic Tiger. Yeah, it's like kickstarted <laughs> like Hollywood have arrived in town. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's exactly like that Simpsons episode. Yeah. I like to imagine. But apparently, um, one of the big things was he took meetings with all the major studios about it. And at one point, Warner Brothers said they would finance it if he agreed to make another Lethal Weapon movie. Hmm. Um, and then basically. He wanted Brad Pitt to do it, to add Scottish to Brad Pitt's sort of little cavalcade of terrible accents. I <laughs> yeah. um, don't know if that would work. He could have just blown off the devil's own accent. Yeah. And like, yeah. Like, here we go. We'll but um, apparently... Ari! Does <laughs> it? Uh, hear me now. <laughs> but uh, meetings got so... Uh, meet Joe Black. Where he starts speaking in a patois. I can see why Brad Pitt would have been top of that Rolodex, to be honest. But um, apparently, apparently, Mel, the, the negotiations got so tense that apparently Gibson threw a, an ashtray through a wall at one point. Uh, but apparently the only way that he could get it financed uh, was to take the role of William Wallace himself. What was the ashtray made out of? And what was the wall made out of? <laughs> I think What's you're it on the set? I think you're forgetting that Mel Gibson was the one who threw it. Have you seen him throw rocks in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all real footage. Yeah. The man can throw a rock. The man can throw a rock. But the saying of people always okay say that Mel Gibson, the casting of Mel Gibson was kind of controversial or he's too short or he's he's too old. But really, I think as a vanity projects go, you know, if this is a vanity project, I think it's a wonderful vanity project. I can't imagine any other actor having the, the, the balls. Oh, it's interesting because... I mean, well, at least for the first, you know... Two hours and forty minutes of the film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Around the same time, didn't Liam Neeson make Rob Roy? Yes, and they shot back to back. Apparently, apparently, there's this huge tourist industry in certain areas of Scotland where they did the location work and establishing shots for them. Uh, And the two crews were apparently fighting over those locations. That's That's another upsetting kind of uh, Scotland movie. uh, Scotland movie where you're thinking, oh god, and. And Jim I, Roth is the evil guy in that. Yeah, yes, he is. I always remember him. He was pretty scary. In that He's one. terrific in, in 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 that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we've lost an entire generation of British character actors who are now not so not, not playing as many villains as they used to. Like McGowan is very very good in this. Patrick McGowan mm, yeah. as uh, Edward the Longshank. He's fantastic. It's his face. He looks like an Easter Island head or he something. Does, it's terrifying. And when he turns, when you as you said, yeah. when you see him in profile, He's his, got beard a is beard, yeah. Yeah, his beard pointed. is Patrick. His beard is Like um, Edward the Longshank is just what they call his beard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's so deliciously evil. Um, it's a pantomime villain, though, isn't it? It really, it really, really is. is a pantomime villain. And it sort of like, it reminds me of, I think, Mel Gibson did again with The Patriot, mm-hmm. where you have like Jason Isaacs doing the same sort the of sneer. thing. Yeah, yeah the, the sneer really? and the condescending and the... Uh, yeah, yeah he, he, like, he likes a good vilification. Yeah. Good guys. Well, that's exactly what he said. Every movie, according to the Gibson, every movie has so yeah. good guys whether, and bad guys. Whether they're English or Japanese or just so long as they're not American. Yeah. Um, or like, the, yeah, I mean. I mean like, this, but going back to the awards, like, this won tons of awards. Oh, like, it did, yeah. yeah. It, it was, Best Picture, did it win anything else? Did it win Best Director? I think it was. I think you had two of them. I know we're famous for it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, two Best Director and Best Picture. Yeah. And it is. It's like it's a fantastic accomplishment. Like we, mm-hmm. we were talking about watching it. Like those are real armies full of real people shot mm-hmm. in long distance doing these sequences. Today you do it with CGI. And, and I was while... just reading. Apparently they shot 
um, 90 hours of footage for the Battle of Stirling Bridge, which is like half a million feet of film, just for that one battle alone. And it really it was is. On digital, yeah. Was it? yeah, it was probably on rules. Yeah. Yeah. And of apparently, film. apparently, one stage the the Irish reserve threatened to walk off. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, just because he, he kept doing it. This like, is like this is too much being like in a real war. <laughs> we have homes to get they to. We didn't train for this. Yeah. <laughs> you said we could grow beards and then be in a movie. Yeah. Was there a bridge at that battle? No. Yes. Yeah, so ironically, the yeah. famous things about um, the actual bridge is that in the films. Battle of Stirling Bridge. There is no bridge. There is no bridge. bridge. There's an anecdote. Ah, this is mere triviality, this lack of a bridge. There's an anecdote that says... Build a bridge and get over it, is what Mm. I'd say. When asked by a local why the Battle of Stirling Bridge was filmed on an open plain, Gibson answered that the bridge got in the way. (laughs) I, the local, answered, that's what the English found, too. (laughs) (laughs) You could almost say it was a bridge too far. Uh Like Would it be an abridged version of the, the yeah abridged too far. yeah being an abridged version right, of let's the let's cross this bridge and move on okay there's okay. no bridge in the Battle of Sterling Bridge but it's a fantastic battle. is it a Sterling battle I would say it's a Sterling battle the battle uh, sequences are amazing yeah. <laughs> this is what Andrew puts up with everything uh, but uh, yeah no it, it is like and even just the visceral quality of like the the chaos and the confusion but and the do you, do you find that okay so the first battle scene and then there's multiple kind of small little skirmishes just for just kind of like when he's doing the um uh, what do you call those sequences where you montage, oh, montage yeah. yeah when he's doing montages like small little, uh, skirmishes but then when you get to like his betrayal kind of battle scene i've kind of kind of got like surfetta battle scenes you know? <laughs> so maybe that's that's a good feeling that you think oh god you know i'm ready for the battle scenes to be over so when he's actually eventually betrayed i'm thinking Thank God. I thought, I thought, I thought the, the trail. The, the We're near the end now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would think, but don't worry. We've got twenty minutes of him being disemboweled to get mm. through first. But he, he does the betrayal. I think the his acting in the betrayal part where he's like so silent that he turns into this like big lump of wood and he's yeah. kind of lying there. Shiny yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. With the shiny eyes. I think he's, he's, he's masterful in that. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's good. No, it is. I, I just I do think the betrayal was handled quite quickly and quite abridgedly. It's just okay. like, uh, they had they had the the nodding um helmets and you're wondering who who's that guy behind <laughs> the helmet? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Seems to be an important yeah. part of this they conversation. Who in, lot, yeah, yeah. About to say who hasn't appeared in this yeah. sequence yeah. yet. Yeah. It's yeah. almost as if he's addressing him in a few times. It's like the yeah. the shot of the cook in Hunter Red October that sort of lingers on it's like, wait, what's that guy? And you see the cook being like, hmm <laughs> This know, might be yeah. a, this might be of relevance Why later are on. Focusing on that, yeah. The way they dealt with Robert the Bruce in this film was a bit strange because just even thinking about how they deal with everyone else, they're trying to make him conflicted, but it just works out a bit strange, doesn't it? Like they want him to betray him, but then feel bad about it. We should say that one of the weird devices, and I don't know enough about history to know if this is remotely based on anything true, but Robert the Bruce has a terrifying monster father who sort of gives him advice throughout the film that mm. often is like betray William Wallace yes. do it for the good of the stab country stab Scotland in the yeah. back yeah stab Scotland alive in the with the British they seem like nice people yeah. <laughs> and he's, it was... he's playing the long game though the father's playing the long game but he wants I, to be king there's that, there's that sort of like Mel Gibson's sort of cinematic shorthand again yeah. it's the sort of it's the oh, yeah. literally monstrous father <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, yeah, cartoon devil, cartoon angel on this guy's shoulders. Yeah, William exactly. Wallace is being like, for Scotland! And yeah. then the father's like, no, let's... <laughs> I'm going to go back to my creepy room yeah. and then stand yeah. here in my robe. Yeah. Well, the the actor, he was great. His saucer Angus, <laughs> Angus McFadden, I think, yeah. is uh, the guy, yeah. He, um, he's been in a few things, uh, Angus McFadden. I always thought he was good. He played Orson Welles really well in one of Tim Robbins's sort of Ponzi films about, like, um, one of Tim Robbins' movies. Ponzi? This one was pretty ponzi. I don't even say ponzi anymore, though. 
Um, well, I, think, I think we've done it. I think you've done it recently, though. Uh, yeah, it was sort of like kind of pretentious. Art yeah, pretentious. Remember with an eye when he calls him a Ponsonist. I wasn't saying it is a Ponsonist. I was more okay. saying that it's just a bit pretentious. The story. Oh, it's about okay. like a play Careful. that's being shut down by the U.S. government because it's mm-hmm. sort of got socialist leanings, that kind of thing. It's just a little uh, mm-hmm. Orson Welles is played by Angus McLeod. He's really good. Here's the awkward moment where Alex throws that movie literally out a window. Yeah. Oh, um, God. Yeah, we should talk about that scene. <laughs> or, or even that whole entire subplot, which is, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, protested by Glad, uh, unsurprisingly, when it was released. Um, Who are Glad? Oh, the Gay, gay and Lesbian Alliance uh, in, over in America. So okay. They said that that scene was done for laughs, which is because a lot of people were laughing at that in the film. Yeah, so yeah. people sort of said that shouldn't have been... Because we should explain the scene. So essentially, Longshanks's son is also portrayed to be a little broad, you could say, in terms of... Um, like a little woman, like a little girl. No, I mean, like, he sort of... The actor's choices in sort of conveying that that character... I, I like I like the idea that this is all the actor, that there wasn't Mel Gibson standing all screaming no, the yeah, megaphone yeah, going, can you, can you play them a little camper? Yeah. yeah. little camp, just a little bit. It, he's very camp. And it's sort of established that there's like a lot of almost scenes that sort of like almost are at his expense. Well, to be fair, like Mel, this is where we get to Mel Gibson being a horrible person, a great director. Like he establishes incredibly quickly and with incredible efficiency that the son is gay. Yeah. Uh, in the most homophobic manner possible. Yeah. Like there's a sequence during the wedding. Yeah, there's a sequence during the wedding where the two just sort of lock eyes with one another. Yeah. Do you think that's homophobic though? I think that's no, no, I, yeah. no okay, I don't think that's homophobic. Okay, okay, I think okay. I think the bit where then all of a sudden the son is portrayed as effeminate and ineffective and, mm. and wishy-washy. There's and, a bit where oh, he's like and vain. himself. And vain. Yeah, where yeah. He wanders around with a giant mirror. Yeah, there's this kind of these um, stereotypes that that um, are taken against um, against gay people, where yeah. where 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 obsessed with the physical appearance. Obsessed. Yeah, yeah, and like there's something kind of um... incompetent. There's yeah, yeah, incompetency yeah. to the fact that he's a feminist. Yeah. Exactly, and that's probably why Glad um, objected. Objected, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just defend Mel. Okay, I'm gonna defend Mel. He's so my best. Mel doesn't need to be defended because he well, said let me, himself. Let me try and defend Mel first. Okay. Let's see who does the better job. I think you'll do a better <laughs> job than he does. Like I, one thinks underdogs are defended too much. You defend an overdog. So I mean, the the film. It's broad strokes all across the board, you know. So it's not like it's not a very subtle film. We've established that, you know. Mel is like heroic. The king is, you know, the most evil. You can imagine, you know, the queen falls, uh, the princess falls in love with him. So it's really, really, you know, it's not subtle. It's broad strokes. Everyone's a stereotype. You know, the best friend. So if he was going to have a stereotype of a weak, ineffectual guy, you know, maybe it's just a an archetype or a stereotype. No, to being Yeah, I think. I think. I think. The issue is that if you got these really lazy character, well, well, like, do we? Do we? Um, <laughs> what race? What gender do we want to make them? How will that get it across best? How many times? This really but, greedy how, character. What religion should we make them? Let me rebus. Let me rebus. Let me rebus. That's also a Mel Gibson film. Let me rebus. Okay, so. If you are a king, you are concerned with the line of succession, right? So, I mean, if you are a homosexual man, you know, and in this time and age, it would be very difficult to have a, you know, 
a line of succession if you're a homosexual, homosexual man. So he is potency, virility, you know, impregnation of women in this time would be very important. It, and he would not, and the homosexual... To which I would counter, that Mel Gibson has decided to insert a lot of those things into this film. Okay. Not, again, they're just things he's decided to add, like, for instance, okay. what if I, as William Wallace, were to impregnate the Queen because her husband is, uh, you know, a and therefore, gay guy. Yeah, yeah. And therefore get a last laugh on the British crowd. Exactly. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Um, but so, I mean, even... I see your point, I see your point. Even stuff like, if you want, if you accept that making the prince emasculate mm. is, is a point and an end to itself, mm. there's a way to do that with yeah. Yeah. making him gay. As I said at one point, they, he dresses the sun like... You could just make him English. He's yeah. wearing like... Head to toe oh. blue velvet and like a white little like. He just wearing colorful clothes. But then yeah. he's like looking at them. <laughs> His boyfriend has high death lashes. <laughs> I think Dara makes a good. Yeah, they, like they they've already made him effeminate by by making him. Uh, in- <laughs> Sorry. By <laughs> <laughs> making him English compared to say Scottish. Yeah. Um, um, According to the logic of the film. To According be clear. to the logic of the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think that this movie came in for a lot of accusations of of anglophobia. I think um, I think it, of course it was um, uh, guilty of that, but I I think that's how you make these sorts of movies. I don't particularly um, like like these kind of movies, but that's what they do. There's nothing specific about um, about about it being English people per se. There was lots of movies at the time, like the likes of Patriot Games, where 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 they where they're Irish. Yeah, yeah, where they're Irish, or where 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 that fits with the story, so make them evil. Although, although perhaps movies like that even uh, are are a little less. Like I can't think of any uh, sympathetic English characters in this movie. Um, well, toward, towards the end, that because of the sacrifice of Mel as Christ, you know, so he has sacrificed himself for the sins of Scotland and the sins of he's escorted in on a crucifix, yeah. tied. To a crucifix. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everyone everyone gets betrays him. He's but, better yeah. than Christ. He but, has two crucifixes. But <laughs> yeah. initially, initially the people are very unsympathetic towards him. They're throwing like rotten vegetables. They're, they're spitting at him. Yeah. But through his suffering, they, they start crying for mercy for him. Mm. You know? So I think it's almost... I know it's... it's he's saying... Would you say that Mel suffered for our sins? He yeah. suffered for our sins. So they become... They, they cry mercy at the end. I, I worry, like Sean, that like, if Mel Gibson I'm came out tomorrow and like sort of said something, <laughs> let's say, even more disturbing somehow than many of the things he's already said, mm-hmm. you, you might be like, mercy, mercy for Mel. <laughs> well, I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald said there's no second acts in American lives. And I think Mel Gibson... F. Scott Fitzgerald, the departed. You know, yeah. you know, I think he... Uh, <laughs> Mel Gibson disproves that, you know, constantly. Well, he is Australian. Yes. I actually remember yeah. this really worrying statistic. Um, this this public relations company looked into like one of the most popular celebrities in America, and they were sort of interested in like people like Tom Hanks, who've kind of been consistently popular yeah. and everyone loves. But Mel Gibson kind of occupied a similar role until his life started falling apart. But yeah. what was really worrying is after some of his comments that his popularity actually had an uptick in certain okay. areas of America and other areas, like, mm-hmm. left. You know, Shocking. Yeah, I mean, anything... Like, oh, God, right? It's, this past year has taught us that it's impossible for somebody who is misogynistic and racist to yeah. be accepted into, you know, Absolutely. by, by broad swaths of culture. I think in terms of popularity, though, as well, people love a comeback. So yeah. maybe Mel Gibson's a bad example because he said so many awful things. But when people disgrace themselves and then redeem themselves, they're more popular than a celebrity who's just yeah. always flash nice. When they're they... not as popular as Tom Hanks, who's yeah. perfect, kind of. Yeah. When they get on their knees and they kiss the emblem on the robe, so to yeah. speak. Well, I mean, like you say that, like, 
this astounds me that we live in a world where after Gibson... Like, Gibson didn't get a, a second chance. Gibson got a third chance and a fourth mm, chance. Yeah. And, like, even after all that, like, we're, we're living in a world where Hacksaw Ridge... Best Director nominee yeah. 2016. Yeah. And, and on, on, that, on the best of list that we're sort of talking about. Mm. And, I mean, have you guys... This week they released a trailer for Daddy's Home 2. I saw that. He's, yeah. He's, Mel Gibson is playing but Mark Wahlberg's dad. Is he it? is. And, and, but it's like, oh, he's gruff and lovable. Yeah. And it's like... And it's funny because a few years ago, when they were making The Hangover 2, apparently Mel Gibson was meant to have a cameo in that. Liam but it was, it was, it was yeah. too close to like the time. Well, it was yeah. also, I think, Zach Galifianakis yeah, objected to, objection. obviously. Yeah. But I always like to think that was Liam Neeson's revenge for Braveheart. He actually then got the call to you know, and then but then they, then they <laughs> we, we need, we need an actor from a 1996 Scottish <laughs> historical <laughs> epic. Yeah. Um, we tried to get Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, he's a little too hot after that controversy. <laughs> Liam Neeson, yeah. he'll do. But there is there is something disconcerting in how Daddy Daddy's Home to the trailer at least so far is portraying like Mel Gibson's sort of curmudgeonly side as mm. lovable. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's your racist grandpa, yeah. isn't he awesome? Yeah, I think my issue isn't. He made like he's getting a, an award for Hacksaw Ridge because if it's a good film, it's and it's of a certain niche, it's gonna get nominated. It's more that he would get the funding in the first place. You yeah. know, he's still getting that money. Mm. He still gets those chances that other people will never get. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're talking about him directing, or they were talking about him directing Suicide Squad two, which, by the way, seems like the most perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess like the the uh, the big <laughs> like Alex is just, just imagining the pitch. It's like guys. Suicide Squad, Squad 1 didn't work. It's it's the story of a bunch of villains but who eventually turn out to be lovable. Who will we get? Mel Gibson. Yeah. It's weird it's weird to be surprised about it, where it's like, oh how can he how can he um get another chance? He's a misogynist. Like how many chances does Hollywood give to women? Like, is it not more more of more of a problem if you're a woman rather than if you're a misogynist? (laughs) That's what you guys were saying on the Wonder Woman episode of your one about how the problem is that when like Patty Jenkins needed this to be a hit, so the studio would be like, oh yeah, women directors can direct rather than like. Oh, you know, I guess... Alan Taylor I, screwed up Thor, yeah. screwed up Thor yeah. Genesis. But it's okay, we'll give him a third shot. Yeah, we're going to, like, he'll, Sorry, he'll Alan just Taylor. move on to something else. Yeah. That was mean. That was, no, it was Terminator Genesis. <laughs> that was the terrible movie you made. Yeah, Terminator uh, <laughs> not, not Thor the Dark World, no. But it does kind of go back to... It's kind of... It's interesting watching Braveheart now, because, as I was saying, this was someone I watched as a kid, and I barely understood the plot as a kid. I didn't understand what was going on with Robert the Bruce. I didn't understand the whole he was having... Had an affair with the French princess thing, and thus delegitimizing exactly. the entire British monarchy. Um, like the, the the climax is so spiteful because it goes yeah. out of its way to have Edward de Longchamp draw his last breath before William Wallace draws his last breath. It's like, ah, yeah. gotcha. But one of the things, the, definitely watching it in 2017, you do pick up on the you know female characters, but then also I do kind of think this is kind of a homophobic film, and it's. Oh, yeah. It's it's homophobic in a way because I do think the scene, for instance, where Longshanks throws the his son's lover out the window is almost played for laughs. You know, it's not played for like, oh, he's a psychopath, he's killing everyone. It's kind of like something that's sort of like ridiculous and over the yeah. top, and and he, almost he's, slapstick. He's yeah. a, he's a great king in this movie. Oh yeah, he uh, is. Long, Longshanks. <laughs> like he 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 turns up at Falkirk and just <laughs> gets it done. Yeah. Like you get the sense yeah. that all the stuff that happens in Scotland, the whole reason that Wallace gets as far as he does yeah. is because Edward Longshanks is over in France taking care of business. Which in fairness is 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 is, is a bigger fish to fry. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what, what's what's Scotland going to um, bring 
to, to well, I mean, I mean, at at at, um, at the time, certainly, but still now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, in terms of economics, uh, they they cut a scene where where William Mullis sits down and talks about the the oil deposits. Uh, that was that was in the four hour cut, but they had to yeah, trim it for time. Yeah, the Trident, yeah, right. Trident, yeah. Okay, there's one thing I think Mel Gibson did really well though. And that was actually his accent. Yeah. I was yes. very surprised. Yeah, absolutely. It was good. It was. It was decent. much yeah. better than David I, O'Hara's Irish accent. Yeah. It was much better than anything Brad Pitt could have attempted. Yeah. But when we're not Scottish, so we don't really have the the ear for it. I remember well, watching Calvary in the in the c- cinema in Sligo and walking out of it. And there, there were a whole lot of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there, and there's bits of it in Sligo Town as well. But walking out of it, you hear people saying, "You didn't get the Sligo accent at all." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but like, sh- should I think there was a specific, yeah. And if he, had, if if any of them had arrived to set and said, I, "I've I've got this Sligo accent down," it's like, well, whatever you do, don't use that <laughs> because that's terrible, <laughs> um, and, and we don't want that in the movie. Did you guys know? I'm just reading here. Mel Gibson's mother, Anne, was born in County Longford, and he was then named after an Irish saint. And yeah, born his mum's born and raised in County Saint, Longford. Saint, news, Saint, news Saint, Saint, Saint Mel's yeah. is the uh, c- cathedral and uh, boarding school in in Longford. In Longford, Longford yeah. Place, yes. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. He does actually. I mean, not Scottish ancestry, but he has directly Irish answer and, and there is contention in this movie that it's the same thing it's basically the same thing <laughs> yeah I feel like they're speaking Irish Gaelic as well um, when 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 they're when when they are speaking Gaelic in the in the the wedding scene or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'll just read this bit so this, this after Mel Gibson made the Patriot a lot of people sort of sort of said well back to back with Braveheart this is clear you hate English people and he sort of said <laughs> Apparently, he got into a fight with some guy called Hutton, but Gibson then said, and this is just a quote from this like fight he got into, we can never know exactly what he said when he came home that night to his wife and children, but he couldn't conceal his disgust. Not even This is about Mel Gibson's father, sorry. Not even from seven-year-old Mel, who was already overly familiar with tales from his mother about atrocities allegedly committed years before in Ireland at the hands of the Black and Tans. The very same Mel Gibson would then <laughs> outrage English papers with his celluloid travesty of the American War of Independence. So there was this whole controversy he got into when he started saying, like, well, my parents told me stories of the black and tans, so I feel justified <laughs> in making films that portrays them as, like, sneering villains. Yeah. But the, 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 the weird thing is, though, watching, like, Braveheart is that, and I, I think Clara mentioned it earlier on, is that, like, the British, historically speaking, were massive villains like they're responsible for like colonialism and imperialism and stuff you don't need to amp it up to the degree you don't need to camp it up you don't yeah. need to have the shots of them going class and power and uh, politics is the villain and uh, um it's it it it, 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 it like there, there aren't that like you take the the smallest like Im- imperial powers like Belgium and see like all the terrible things that they did when 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 even allowed um a, 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 a small, small modicum yeah. of um and that I mean I mean 
the 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 British had probably the 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 the, the, the greatest empire in terms of um, well the empire uh, in which the sun never sets yeah exactly so there there's 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 a tendency to um, to kind of cast them as like ultimately they they had a um, well I'm not gonna de- I'm not gonna defend them too strongly but I I I I, I don't know this this idea that that um oh but the, the but the english were terrible it's like well only only to 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 the extent of i i am i, I certainly am being an apologist here <laughs> but but i i i feel like mel gives an apologist british empire apologist yeah. it's um, both yeah. Bases yeah, both. yeah i feel embarrassed when i'm when i'm when i'm in um the uk and people say oh i i um just want to say how how sorry I am my people. It's like yeah. it's grand. We yeah. live in a great country. Yeah, <laughs> everything's fine. Well, well, well Australia, sorry, that's not true either. Mel Gibson for the same thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It, interesting, actually, about the tying of Mel Gibson to this particular thing. Have you guys heard about the statue thing? No. So in 1997, a 12 ton statue was commissioned from a guy called Tom Church. And it was to go at the Wallace Monument in Scotland. But because it was 1997, oh. Tom Church thinks to himself, okay, I need to make a splash here, and I also need to probably, maybe I should depict the most famous portrayal of William Wallace, oh, rather than anything accurate. So I'll just show you, and if anyone is listening to this, just Google Willy William Wallace Michelle. statue. Yeah. So this is the statue they settled on. That is beautiful. Oh, that is a work of art. I like the mace. Oh, the mace is particularly he's inspired. The mace. The mace. Yeah. And he's and, and written on on the it bottom says, of it says freedom. And on his shield it says Braveheart. And we should say it's a statue of Mel Gibson. Just it is pretty much. Mel has, has it been destroyed yet? I lead now to the next part of the story. <laughs> no. The statue. I, I don't think it's that close to like I said, Mel Gibson. The tattoo on my shoulder is a lot closer <laughs> than Mel Gibson. So, the installation became the cause of much controversy. One local resident stated that it was wrong to desecrate the main memorial to Wallace with a lump of crap. In 1998, someone wielding a I hammer vandalized the statue's face. After repairs were made, the statue was then encased in a cage every night to prevent further vandalism. Like Mel Gibson himself. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's kind of funny then having a statue that says freedom on the bottom in case in the cage. (laughs) But this only only incited more calls for the statue to be removed. It was then appeared that the Gibson Wallace figure was imprisoned. The statue was described as among the most loathed pieces of public art in Scotland. And in 2008, the statue was returned to its sculptor to make room for a new car park at the Wallace. Oh my god. <laughs> That's really Brace the story of, of Braveheart's influence on Scotland. Yeah. So I, I, from that, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, none of us are Scottish, but it would be kind of interesting to find out really what Scottish people think of Braveheart. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I imagine it would be similar to what we think of Michael Collins. I was going to say, in which yeah. case, in which it has no resemblance, very little resemblance, historically speaking. But at the same I, time, I think it like, captures the mood. It captures the mood, and it captures like, yeah, if Americans learn more about Scottish independence as a result, of as it. a result of it, even if it's kind of inaccurate. I, th- I, you know, I, I think, think we as Irish tend to think <clears throat> of the Scots as 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 being similar to Irish people in 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 Ireland, um, being similar to Scottish people in Scotland. And uh, overestimating the extent to which they would see them as 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 Scottish versus British, there, there, it's a it's a divided community. 
where 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 I imagine the the reaction that we'd have to Michael Collins would be kind of oh well there's historical inaccuracies and it's a very kind of Hollywood um, that's what um, yeah yeah production where where whereas in 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 Scotland there would be more kind of um, complications to do with kind of how how do we interpret and how do we judge this movie in terms mm. of like where do you sit politically no. where we're much more homogenous here. Well, I mean, I, Mel, I, I would, I, I would imagine anyway. I, mean, I believe you, Gibson's taking credit for the Scottish independence referendum mm-hmm. in the same that's way. That's he should. Yeah. In the same way for that the failure take... of the Scottish independence <laughs> or referendum. Well, I mean, um, for Randall, being held. Yeah, the, the the writer there um, actually went on. There's there's an interview with him online where he talks about how he feels like you know, like Braveheart will live on in the hearts of Scottish people, True and there will come a time. Yep, there will come a time when they will be get their freedom. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 I mean, to think that your work of art is responsible single-handedly for the freedom yeah. of which so many. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, also, also much like David Hasselhoff and the Berlin yeah. Wall. Yeah. Um, it's a great story about him touring Michael New Michael Flatley and the Celtic Tiger, actually, yeah. yeah. I tried to speak German to um, David Hasselhoff one time and yeah. he had no idea what I was saying. I just assumed he spoke German <laughs> because he was in that scene in Dodgeball where he's talking German oh, and because yeah. he was so big in Germany. All I said was, um, uh, "Oh, the, this um, this uh, this uh, broken mini bar isn't exactly Vorsprung Dirk technique," hmm. and he just stared at me blankly. And I was like, "Oh, you know, like the like the Audi um, yeah. ads." Uh, ads. He's still staring at me blankly. I was like, you know, like uh, progress to technology. <laughs> it's not exactly progress to. I'll I'll leave. Um, <laughs> I'll leave you, Mister Hasselhoff. Did, did you look him in the eye? <laughs> that's my that was my first mistake yeah, yeah. i think it had nothing to do with what i was saying maybe so it's just the first time he'd made eye contact <laughs> ever, yeah. just, 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 what makes you think you can talk to me yeah, don't, don't look at you in german yeah. yeah don't look at you better um speaking of name dropping i believe there is somebody in this that sean has seen on a bus oh yeah. no yeah sean, come on tell the story you can't do a podcast without mentioning yeah. you once saw barry mcgovern on a bus well, barry, barry mcgovern barry yes. mcgovern barry mcgovern the legendary barry mcgovern he plays like like advisor number two in this movie, doesn't he? He has at least one line. line. Yeah, he has a line to, at the end. So he is he he like this movie is quite strange because it has like Scottish people playing Irishmen. I was going to say one of the things we do one of the things we do in, the, in, in our podcast is sort of like examine the Irishness. And now we did sort of say at the start this isn't necessarily an Irish film, but there's mm. so many Irish actors in it, and there are Irish characters in which they were sort of made in Ireland. So many interesting Irish uh, choices about what you do with those Irish actors and those Irish characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I think having like Brendan Gleeson play a Scots person though, and then I think it's, and then it's, having the Irish the yeah. Scottish person playing the Irish actor well, lecture about Irishness I yeah. that was brilliant that was well, maybe it makes them not complacent though because they can't slip into it they have to work harder than they have to yeah. discover mm-hmm. their roles it's like let's this. cast a Scot as the Irishman and an Irishman as a Scot yeah and it just kind of shows that like any if, if that's if an Irishman can play a Scotsman then surely an Australian can play a Scotsman you know it's, <laughs> anyone can do it aren't we yeah. all the same yeah I think like and and, and um, yeah so Brian Governs in it. I saw him on a bus. So much of a story, though. I mean, that's the story there. Uh, he was getting off. He was getting. About, I, I was so nervous. Did you make eye contact with him? Well, I was. I sat down bes- behind him. You know, and my girlfriend was there, and I was kind of nudging her, going, "It's him. It's Barry." And she's like, "I have no idea who you're talking." About. You know? Audibly, so Barry hears you know, a single you know. tear rolls down his eye. But I, I frequently sat behind Barry McGovern. I was actually sitting behind Barry McGovern once in the gate, and he was sitting in front of me. And in the gate theater, <laughs> it's like the two of you are drawn I together. Know, I know. In the gate theater, uh, they actually have seats with like noteworthy kind of members of it. And I was actually sitting on Barry McGovern's seat. His name was on the seat, and he was in front of face. me. I was sitting on Barry McGovern's face. Yes. <laughs> 
Did you tell him that you love him? Uh, well, not that I love him, but I think he's a, he's a wonderful he's a actor. actor. And well, when it, so the bus story is that as, I, as he was getting off the bus, I said, uh, Mr. McGovern, and he turned around, uh, he uh, looked <laughs> me in the eyes, and I said, um, thank you. And Jesus oh, Christ, thank, John. Thank you for your work. Oh, I'm man. a big fan. And he said, right, okay. The only time I've ever... Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Well, that's a nice start. It's a warm, sympathetic start. There's no cynicism there. No. Well, one of the things we do in our podcast is sort of like rate the Irishness as mm-hmm. either being sort of faith if it rings true or begorat if it doesn't. And obviously, this is not exactly, but there were a lot of Irish characters, and there's a bit where the Scottish army so, runs at the Irish army. Well, the, the Irish conscripts, they're conscripts. The Irish conscripts. Yeah. And just as they're about to clash, they all start shaking hands. And yeah. you, you really hope that they communicate in that very effectively yeah. beforehand. They're like winking at each other as they're running at each other yeah. with axes. Like, we're just doing this to freak out <laughs> yeah. the English. Yeah. Keep winking, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure everyone sees the winks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was sort of interesting because the Irish character played by David O'Hare, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, when he shows up, he's he's mad and he keeps sort of saying he's mad. He's not right in the head. Yeah, he keeps saying, I'm not right in the head, I'm not right in the head. Yeah. And uh, I kind of thought it was funny though. I did like that. But you go from that introductory scene where he's like, I'm not right in the head, you can't trust me, it's not sure what's going on, yeah. straight to, oh my god, I just saved you from being killed by this guy and yeah. like throwing a sword and stabbing yeah. him in the heart. But well, I, we... I, I wasn't right to begin with. Yeah, and also I'm Irish, so I drink too much. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's what it's going to get to. What do we think of of that? Is it a little too leprechauny? Is it a little too winky? Is it a little too? I was just worried well, it was being a Scotland the... movie. The scale would be I or nay. Yeah, the, alco- the alcoholic thing. I don't really object to 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 that being a stereotype in movies because like yeah, it's, before, because it's because it's actually true. fairly true. Yeah, and yeah. if 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 you go abroad, like. You meet um, or avoid meeting other other Irish people <laughs> who 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 just kind of confirm that stereotype further, yeah. and it's not something that we're like. There's a sort of an ambivalence to it, but there isn't this big sobriety culture like you have in the state. Mm. Um, or or like like the the the, it's like you're 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 a bit odd if you don't drink, and um, there there's yeah like I I. I drink loads. Yeah. <laughs> well, not loads, but uh, I'm drunk right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel I like I I feel like I can't drink as much as I used to. So sometimes on a night out, I'll 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 be drinking non-alcoholic beer, and then someone will find me out and shame me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what Cast are you, you out, doing? Yeah. yeah. No, it's sort of similar. Like I always liked. The, even as a kid, I remember looking brilliant. The Irish guy, brilliant. They're all shaking hands. This is brilliant. Yeah. So, there are worse national like stereotypes to have, to be honest. It's yeah. the fact that we're generally likable. Yeah. Like, and as compared to, say, the stereotypes of the British people. In yeah, the movie. I was going to say, <laughs> we'll always be down for killing Brits. That's yeah. the sort of stereotype. And yeah. up, up for fun and want to kill British people. Yeah. Well, is this post the Good Friday Agreement or pre the Good Friday Agreement, this movie? Pre. I imagine pre, pre by several hundred years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh! That's what the, the filming of it, so I'd say. It would have been free, sorry. So, murderous, murderous, murderous Irish people. Um, murderous, fun loving Irish murderous people. Murderous, fun loving Irish people. Gets a faith from me mm-hmm. because it's sort of silly and over the top, and I didn't find that bad. I, I wouldn't give it a rating. There wasn't enough Irish stuff to. There probably I'd, I'd give it a Begara. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Like, the. the um, I mean. It's the thing that 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 annoys me about Irish history and the kind of perception of Irish history is that we seem to kind of um, include 
five years between like 1916 and 1921 and ignore everything else. Mm. The, 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 there's a line in this movie where they say, what, what are the Irish doing fighting for the British? That's literally all we ever did. <laughs> like, when we weren't fighting against the British, we were fighting for the British and anywhere, anywhere where, 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 where the pain and was good. And for a much longer period as well. Yeah, exactly. Historically yeah, and, and, and it was much more representative of, 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 of our history than, than, the, than the small-scale uh, re, re, rebellions. rebellions that took a very long time before they actually gained any popular support that's my very unpopular two cents but there really aren't that many be shot at some point there aren't that many great irish songs about collaborating though it doesn't quite (laughs) no it doesn't have quite the same like you could like there is an argument to be made for 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 come on you black and (laughs) um thanks for paying me to kill irish men um uh, no there there's an argument to be made for for the the Savvy, cute <laughs> um, uh, Irish man who who goes off to fight in India and uh, do, doesn't do a tap. <laughs> Comes or back with a good pension. Joins, joins the Irish army and then gets annoyed when they have to. Um, we'll probably end up doing no. Barry Lyndon, yeah. The yeah. cute yeah. door who... And we'll also probably end up doing Barry Lyndon. There, 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 there is yeah. the, the, the character, who the, the real-life person who... Well, there was a few, but uh, it was Stephen, Stephen Reyes' um, character in, in Michael Collins, yeah. where he... One Roy, of the one of, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the people he was based on, he got a, a British government pension... Um, for the time working in Dublin Castle, an Irish government pension for when he moved into the Irish public service, and an IRA pension. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting on the- Yeah, That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. I like that. All right. He's the <laughs> There's the Irish biopic that we need right now. Yeah. That's good. All right. Do you guys want to mention anything else? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can now find us on uh, Black Hole Media. I think Zara, Darren probably has more um, information on the information Podbean. Um, on the Podbean, yeah. yeah, in the Podbean, so you can get us and a host of other stuff there. Uh, we'll still be at all, all our regular places. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at after two fifty. You can follow myself at Darren Ordersperman. You can follow Andrew at A Q U I N N I U Q A. There's there's no plans as of yet to put our our, our podcast behind the paywall. <laughs> we'll, we're, we're working we'll on let that. you know <laughs> we're, we're working on that but we have been bought out um, yeah. it's and... a lot less like Wayne War- Wayne's World than I imagined it would be I'm going to be honest here yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, that's great yeah well, we should say that our podcast remains free. And they, <laughs> and, and and they will never take our freedom. <laughs> truer to the spirit of William Wallace. We have not done a deal with Longshanks. <laughs> and we'll continue to just... Yeah, this is exactly like the battle of Longshanks. It is fantastic that, that, we've, that we've joined with the English as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's Tony Black, actually, who runs Black Hole Podcast. That's right. Guy. We had him on talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not at all like ever the long time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Despite the insinuation that Andrew he's, he's like nobody in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. He's a good English person. Um, yeah. Anyway, so what about you guys? Um, well, we did the usual thing. Our next episode will probably be on the fourth film in the Leprechaun series, Leprechaun Four. I in like your space. commitment to this, by the way. I know like... we did. We did a Twitter poll, unfortunately, because <laughs> both of these two guys were very much against. 
doing every single Leprechaun films in the film Leprechaun film series. That's why Sean has done none of them. I've done none of them, yeah. But um, <laughs> we have a special guest who comes by who's very enthusiastic about all of them. So, yeah. It sounds very like you. So and it sounds like I'm just talking to you and exactly. you're being twice as <laughs> yeah. With Lep- <laughs> two sides, I'm yeah. really conflicted and yeah. torn on this film franchise. Yeah. Le- so, yeah, Lep in the Hood be, be more or, or less homophobic if Mel Gibson had directed it. <laughs> <laughs> <are> the <laughs> we'll find out when we do Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah. You're still looking. a ways away from there, aren't you? Lep- um, I think it's after space. I think, Kleena, you had a point that it's kind of funny how the, in the films they sort of get more and more ridiculous. So Leprechaun 1, he's just like killing people. Leprechaun 2, he's in Vegas. <laughs> Leprechaun 3, um, I can't remember. I, I, listen, I don't do the Leprechaun <laughs> thing. So I can't <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Leprechaun 2, he's in LA. Then he goes to Vegas uh, and it's like he's getting progressively sort of more exciting. And then Leprechaun 4, he's in space. But then in How five, do you escalate the franchise from there? Exactly, you go to the hood. Well, you have ice... Cube, iced tea. Iced tea. You have iced yeah. tea, the wrong iced tea. Who, who doesn't phone it in at no. all? Who no. never phones it in? <laughs> yeah. He's a truly a god. Oh, yeah. his, uh, I've seen Law and Order. He, he phones it in. <laughs> I've seen Law and Order. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing that we have to announce. You're telling me there's a leprechaun that <laughs> yeah. kills people. <laughs> iced tea is also in, uh, what, what's that 3000 Miles to Graceland? I've seen that. That's oh. a great iced tea movie. That'll probably be in your bottom. Is, is there a great? Uh, there, is there a great <laughs> iced tea movie? Yeah, that's the... I, I feel like I feel like there's not a great a great ice team movie what, what yet. About, what about the one where he it's like Trespass? Is it called Trespass? Where like there's like two firemen looking for money and Ice Cube and Ice T play like rival <laughs> what? gangsters. What? Really? What? Yes. Cube BT. I've never. It might not be Ice Cube, but Ice T is in it. Is Vanilla Ice also in it? He's the guy who isn't cool enough to be part of the rival gangs. Yeah. With Trespass, that check out that. That's a really good Ice T movie. All right. And we play people out with a sort of extract from the soundtrack and I really yeah, like the got soundtrack. Some, some sort yeah. of main theme. Freedom! Yeah. Braveheart theme. It's really, really, really good. Yeah, it is. James Horner score. Yeah. Um, and besides that, just wanted to thank everyone, I suppose, for no. doing this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Andrew. Thank yeah. you, Darren. Thanks, no, Clement. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, thanks everyone. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks to you. You guys really for listening to this. Yeah. Yes. Bye. Great. Thanks.